and this is Podcasts from the Colonies, a collection of true stories about how the British Empire shaped the lives of normal people like you and me. Many urban centres of the UK are multicultural hubs made up of both cosmopolitan melting pots and isolated communities of peoples from around the world. This is true of many global cities, but in modern Britain, how much of this multiculturalism can be attributed to British imperialism? So far in this series, we've heard from people who were born and lived in countries occupied by the British, and from British citizens who migrated to the colonies. But there is yet another type of story. The story of people from the colonies who travelled to their British motherland for all the opportunities it afforded. The life of this episode's storyteller, Lilia Bogle, followed this other journey that we are yet to explore. Born in Jamaica, Lilia's family was well respected in the community, a respect that did not translate to her experiences from the 1960s when training to become a nurse in the UK. Lilia's podcast gives an open view into the prejudice and judgment that confounded the expectations of many who expected a warm welcome into Britain. She, like many of her generation, had to clear her own path to respect a path that others are now able to follow in, but is still far from smooth. A Jamaican podcard from the 1960s. Rising above prejudice. As the youngest of three children, Born into a privileged and well-respected Jamaican family, my parents were keen for me to have a colonial education. I was enrolled in one of the most prestigious girl high schools in Kingston, which had an affiliation to St. Hugh's College, Oxford, a woman's college, which was founded in 1886 by Elizabeth Wordsworth, the great niece of the famous poet. I was not taught anything about Jamaican history, geography, cookery or culture. Instead, my curriculum focused on English history, geography, English cookery and English etiquette, and I sat the University of Cambridge examinations. Many of my teachers were English and would constantly remind me how fortunate I was to be part of the Commonwealth. I graduated from high school, excited to be able to start on my lifelong dream of becoming a nurse. While the University of the West Indies offered one of the most accredited nursing training courses, I, like many others, well-educated Jamaicans in the 1960s, chose to go abroad to study. My mother researched the best possible nursing education throughout Europe and the United States and was told that England was the best place to be trained. My uncle, the Archbishop of Cleveland, Ohio, recommended a hospital in England that he had visited. I applied and I was accepted. I could not contain my excitement. I knew so much about British history and culture. I was going to the motherland. On arrival at the nurses' quarters, I did not notice that all the student nurses I met were black. 
They were amused by my enthusiasm and excitement. I remember that one student took me aside to explain that my expectations of becoming a registered general nurse, RGN, was not possible. I would be trained as a state enrolled nurse, SEN, instead. I was confused. With my qualifications, the RGN course was the most appropriate for me and the SEN course was not even an approved nursing qualification or recognized in Jamaica. When I asked why, her simple answer was because you're black. Black people are not allowed to do the RGN training here. I was bemused, as in Jamaica the motto is out of many one people. And my own family was a tapestry of colour, with many being able to pass for white. My mother's side were of Jewish descent, and my father's ancestors were from the Murray Scottish clan, so why would being black matter? Looking back, I now wonder if I was accepted because of my uncle's position, or also he could have been mistaken as white rather than for my educational achievement. This was the first culture shock I had, and this was the first time that I realized that I was perceived different. I was black. What did that mean? I was not prepared for this. A meeting with the matron confirmed my horror, but I would not be deterred in achieving my dream. My parents instructed me to return home immediately, but I was determined that I was going to do the RGN training and it would be in England. The values and benefits instilled in me by my father, education was the principal key to success. And those of my charismatic, strong mother was if you work hard, you can achieve your ultimate goal, drove me to apply to different hospitals to do the RGN training. And I was finally offered an interview at a hospital subject to sitting a preliminary examination. I had more than the qualifications needed for entry. So I was astonished at the simplicity of the paper a child could have completed it with ease. The tutor was very surprised by my qualifications. I went to high school. I had University Cambridge certificates. I spoke English perfectly. Where did I learn it? I was flabbergasted. English was my first language. I came from Jamaica, one of the British colonies. I graduated as an RGN in 1967 and I went on to gain my diploma in district nursing, school nursing, health visiting, family planning and midwifery. Needless to say, throughout my years of training, it was evident to me that I was constantly regarded as being different and in many ways treated differently because of my colour. I continued to further my education, adding various qualifications to my portfolio, such as masters, and postgraduate degrees and diplomas. But despite being black and having to be 150% better than my white peers did not stop me from being the first black person 
to hold a variety of high-level management positions within the NHS or being nominated to go abroad to promote the English model of nursing. When I look back over the last 50 years, I can see that there has been some change in society towards people of colour. But it's a still a fight to be accepted in this diplomatic, white, bureaucratic society where challenging prejudices and structured racism still exists. I am, however, very optimistic by the words of Prince Harry and Meghan in a recent interview with the Evening Standard about racism where they stated, for as long as structured racism exists, there will be generations of young people of colour who do not start their lives with the same equality of opportunities as their white pairs. And for long as this continues, untapped potential will never get to be realised. We cannot change history, nor can we edit our past, but we can define our future as one that is inclusive, one that is equal, and one that is colourful. from the Colonies is researched and produced by me, Saiba Chadda. The theme music is by John Paul and Litchfeld. A special thank you to this episode's storyteller, Lilia Bokel. Thank you for listening. Subscribe and join us next time. Thank you.